Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's poppin', my peoples? This is Pastor Jay Harris from The Ville Church. I'm coming to you. If you're catching this sermon the day it actually is, then you are catching it the day after Christmas or whatever, right? So Christmas was yesterday. Today I'm giving you a brand new gift by preaching the Word of God to you. Um, I'm down here in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. If you fall off or whatever, it's still mucho frio out here. It was hot as fire yesterday. It's cold today. That's how we get down down here, you know what I mean? But Yo, I got a good word to share for you. This is essentially the last sermon I'm gonna be preaching for 2021. And I think it's one of those words like, if you're kind of like, you know, like God, you know, like how you want me to step into this new year? You know what I'm saying? You know how people are like, I'm stepping in hotter this year. You know what I'm saying? Stepping hot with, you know, the word of God in your soul and the reverence for God. But like this message is a really good word for that. I preached it at a, at a house church that we did at my house a couple of weeks ago. It's Philippians 1. And um, it really encouraged a lot of people. And it's been one of those words that's been inside of my soul since I preached it. So I want to share it online. And uh, and I really want, this is how I want to end the year. It's how, do, how I want to end the year remembering this and going into the new year with it. And I want other people to be encouraged too. So we're in Philippians 1 today. Um, you know, normally when you're in a sermon or whatever, you kind of unravel the gift and take the wrapping off. I'm coming to the party with the gift unwrapped. There's a couple things I want you to see inside of this sermon. And I want to tell you early. So as you're listening, you're listening to catch and see what I'm talking about. Since vulnerability is one of the words, vulnerability. I want you to watch how vulnerable Paul is with the, with the Philippians, right? In this letter he's writing to them. I want you to sense the unity between Paul and the church. He, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a part of the body as well, but like peep their unity, how Christ brings unity to him. And also I want you to leave with like a holy reverence and trust for God to complete the work he started in you, right? It's less anxiety for next year. Practice believing God, put your faith in God and not so much in trying to earn and, and get it. But you'll see that in this text, right? So I want you to peep this out, right? So I'm just read, I'm gonna read for you. Philippians 1 starts like this. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts off straight off the bat, he starts with this greeting. I want you to understand the context here because the context makes this thing even more juicier, right? Paul is in a jail cell. I don't know which one of his jail visits, but he didn't did a couple bids or whatever we see inside of the scriptures, but he's in a jail cell and he is writing to the people at Philippi, right? To the church at Philippi. Then he says, this is to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. So he doesn't leave the overseers and the deacons out, but he's just talking to everybody, right? All the saints, that's there, right? So he greets them. And in verse three says, I think my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now so paul is saying like i i, I like i like like i thank god when i'm I, i'm in remembrance of you i want you to think about somebody being in a jail cell right like i don't know if you ever caught a bid i ain't gonna put all my business out there some of y'all you know me you know me you know where i've been at but i'm just saying like if you sit inside of a jail cell a little 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 10 by 10 box if you're lucky you start thinking about people and what they mean to you 
certain people just float to the to the top in your remembrance like man these people right here man they they've they been with me or whatever you might spend your time bitter about some people but some people they shine a little different you start to realize the value maybe you miss the value of them but you start to think about them and Paul is having one of those moments he is locked up and he said I think my God in all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy it's like I, I pray about you and I love it because when I'm praying it brings joy to my heart so the question is why one of the things he answers that in verse 5 he says because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now I don't know if you know what the word trill means but the word trill means true and real Paul is saying y'all been trill since the first day right it doesn't mean that Paul knows everybody because he's talking about all the saints in Philippi. He's talking about a city, all the saints, all the people that say that we are part of the church. He's talking to all of them. So he don't know every single one of them. But here's the thing. The gospel, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel. He's saying from the first day I met you and even until now, this gospel thing linked us like this. You know, it's crazy earlier this morning, I took four of my kids to go to an eye, um, eye appointment or whatever to get glasses, which I have to do every year. They inherited my vision, unfortunately. But thank God they have vision, right? But anyway, when I go in, there's this, um, my, my doctor, she's Chinese, right? And so she, uh, you know, always going there, whatever. She's super cool or whatever. We talk about all kind of things, culture, everything else. But we always talk about Jesus. And today when I went in, it's been a while since I've been in, you know, I was in there with her or whatever, and we talking, and we're just talking about stuff with the kids, but then we start talking about the gospel, and she'll stop everything she's doing, and she says to me, she goes, yeah, she goes, I was wondering if you remember, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, I remember when we first started talking, when we first met, that we just connected on that, like, you know, she's like, but look at us, it's like, ain't a day been missed because of, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus put in us, she said it like that, you understand, I'm throwing my own language to it, but she said it like that. And I just, I told her about this scripture. I was like, yo, I just preached this scripture. And I said, Paul's saying exactly what you just said. Like, yo, we may not hang all the time. I may not even know all your personal business like that. But like this thing we share, this gift we receive from Jesus Christ that has brought us into the family of God. We like this. If I'm starving, I could go knock on the door and I know she's feeding me. You understand? I already know what's inside of her. I could see it radiating out of her. And she's catching something from me. It's the love of Christ. Both of us are filthy rich with it. So we always gather together on that. But it made me think of this text. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The text tells us, we see in the scriptures, they responded to his needs. Let me, let me, I'm going to hit that until now. Because they've been partnered with him in the gospel they have stood with him they continue to proclaim the gospel that he's in prison for so they haven't been shamed by him they're bearing the reproach of paul they're bearing the reproach of the gospel the same thing that has got them locked up they still rock paul we still out here rocking my g and they sending gifts to him in jail they put money on his books on his commissary like and hey, homie we ain't forgot about you he's like yo you've been trailed since day one in this partnership the gospel man i hope y'all eat take that in the next year people in your church the gospel i don't care if we ain't gonna be perfect we ain't always gonna love each other well we're humans we got flesh on us it's sinful it's selfish we're gonna always do things and mistreat each other look each other whatever 
we're going to mess up, but we're also going to produce a beautiful fruit. God is going to, through that mess that's inside of our flesh, the Holy Spirit is still going to wage war against it and produce a beautiful fruit. But here's the thing. Just like God saved us by grace, he makes us family by grace also. So family don't mean that you always on time, that you perfect, that you always hit the mark. All of us know church people can be an absolute mess. Some church people hide in the church, they really ain't church people. Some people love God with all their heart and they really church people and they still really a mess. But the grace of God makes us family. And one day when he comes back and we go into eternity with him, we will not carry the baggage of this flesh and we will experience love in a way we don't even know. That's what we stand in hope for, even as we grieve some of our decisions and some of the things we do sometimes. Let me keep it moving though. Y'all see where I'm at with it. Verse six, he says, and I'm sure of this, that he, that he's talking about is God. He just bigged them up and talked about how much joy they bring and the partnership they've had. And he says, I'm sure of this, that he who begin a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to the vulnerability Paul spills out from verse from, from, from the first verse to verse five. He's just talking about how much joy that he has in them. They are not slightly, even slightly confused about how Paul feels about them. They know that they are the apple of his eye. He cherished this, cherishes them in the depths of his heart. Vulnerability is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Think about that. Think about it in, your, in your life, in your relationships. Are you carrying grudges? Or are you choosing to be vulnerable and tell people how you feel? The people that are in front of you that you love, are you choosing to kind of play games with them and like kind of spar relationally? Are you, are you looking at them saying, yo, you mean something to me? I, I cherish you. Your friendship matters. When you're not around, it bothers me. When you don't show up no more and I'm wondering where you're at, it bothers me because I care. I know I ain't got lunch with you yet or did dinner and did all of this, but I actually care about what's going on in your life. Be vulnerable. It's a powerful thing and it's something the church needs. Don't let people guess. But Paul, after he bigs them up like that, he encourages them. He says that he who begin a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he's writing from jail. He don't know if this is his last letter to him, but he is pouring his heart to him and he makes sure, sure they don't forget this part, right? He celebrates their faithfulness in ver verses three and five, but intentionally in verse six, he shines a light on the author of their faithfulness. There's a big lesson here. Even as church folks, even when we're talking to somebody and you're going through something, we always encourage them in themselves often. That's a mistake we sometimes make. Where we're like, you know, you have the power, you're capable and this and that, da da da, whatever. And the fact of the matter, they are, but not within themselves. They're capable in Christ Jesus. So the statement is more so like, hey, God has given you what you need for this war you're in. And I'm here with you too, to pray with you, if I got resources, they're yours. I'm going to walk through it with you. You got a family of God that's with you. And God has given us what we need for this situation. And all things work out for, the, for, the, for those that love Christ Jesus, right? So even if it don't fall the way you think it should fall, believe me, God still has a plan and a purpose for it. Some of y'all hear that. You might be that's cheap talk or whatever. But how many of y'all have never wanted something in your life and then you didn't get it and then you go, man, thank God I didn't get it. 
I tried to buy like three, four other houses before I got my houses and I was broken hearted every single time they did not go through. I'd already did the designs, the plans. I even paid an architect one time a couple thousand dollars, finished it and never got to build a house. And I was like, man, I'm just messing up. And then when he finally got a house for me and my family to live in, I was like, thank you God for saving me from what I wanted. I thought I knew, but you actually knew better than me. So trust God that he's sovereign, that he knows the big story, the big play. You understand what I mean? But encourage people in God, not in themselves. That doesn't mean I don't have confidence. I, I attack situations going, like me and my wife have 10 kids. And I tell her all the time, I'm like, babe, I'm having a rough day. She goes, I'm having a rough day. I go, you know what? God has given us for what we, what we need for a rough day. Even if we got to lay down, take a break. Even if we got to sit down and feel half depressed during the day, God has given us what we need to endure. Even if we're not moving, feeling like we're winning, he's already won the day. So I got full confidence in what God has put in me, but I don't want to forget who put it in us. Because I'm a falter, I'm just a human, but he never fails. Paul wants them to remember this because this is vital for them to remember because the moment they start thinking they're cute, everything's gonna get real weird up in the church at Philippi. You understand what I mean? We are capable, but purely because of God's saving grace and favor on our life. He orders our steps. He strengthens us when, our weak, when we're weak. When we are weak, his strength is made known. It's made more apparent in our weakness. He doesn't need you to be a superhero. You can't earn this love. We don't run hard to earn this love. When we run in, we run to bring glory to him. When we rest, we rest to bring glory to him. In all of it, we're saying, God, you are in control. You're sovereign, you're king, and I'm your child, I'm your servant. You understand? I want you to be encouraged in that. Verse seven, Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, vulnerability, for you are, you are all partakers with me of grace. Listen to this, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. That's what Paul is saying here. You're partakers with me of grace in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He's saying that in this work that we're called to, this calling, that they are with him in the bewilderment, in the fear, in the prayer, in overcoming, in endurance, in defense of the gospel, right? They're confirming the gospel to him. And they're, 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 they are confirmation of the gospel. The fact that they endure, that they stand with them, that they continue to proclaim the gospel, that they stand with him even while he's sitting in the jail cell. He's like, Lord, I see. The, he's looking at, at the church of Philippi. He's hearing reports and he's like, Yo, I see the gospel all over you moving. They're looking at him inside of a jail cell and they see him still rejoicing and joyfully praying for them. And then he's, you know, if we keep on reading to the next set of texts that I'm not going to cover today, but I preach that just this Sunday or whatever. But like he's talking about how the, the this, this situation he is in imprisonment has served to advance the gospel because the Imperial Guard, all the other inmates and every and the other saints are now hearing the gospel, receiving the gospel, and brothers and sisters have been emboldened to preach the gospel louder and proclaim it 
all the more. So they're looking at Paul like, my G, you locked up. But my God, I see grace on you. I see the gospel on you. It's like, I see the gospel on you. You gospeled out. Paul, you gospeled out. You get where I'm coming from? That's what's happening. They're partaking in grace together and they're in this relationship together. This unity. God's grace is made clear and obvious in our unity in Christ Jesus. But listen to this. He says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. In Luke 14, Jesus says this about his mission. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ brings this work home through the death, burial, and resurrection, right? But Paul is carrying this calling, that same calling that Jesus had, he's here doing, fulfilling, bringing salvation and life. Paul is now heralding the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did, but he's also carrying the hardships that come with it. Jesus suffered while he's on this earth. Paul is actually suffering as well. The Bible actually says that anybody who's actually in, in this calling, they will suffer while they're on earth. So I know we have all these Hallmark cards that look all beautiful and they talk about joy and everything else. They would they would grab the first part of Paul's um, statement and talk about, you know, how joyful he is thinking about everybody else and use it on a Hallmark card. But the fact of the matter is they're not going to tell you that he's actually sitting in a prison cell when he wrote it that he's having joy inside of the prison cell. So God in his faithfulness even gives us joy in the midst of hardships. So Paul says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He is saying that thing that Jesus was called with, that he, this calling he had in him, he's like, he's like not to die on the cross, but to bring the good news to the poor, to set liberty, bring liberty to the captives, right? Recovering your sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed. Paul has that same thing inside of him, that same calling. That's the good news he's brought to these people. He carries this thing. He yearns with the affection that Christ Jesus, not because Paul is a good guy. I go inside of the jail cell and I preach to young men or whatever. It's not because I'm a good guy. It's because God has done something in my heart. He gave me a gift. Take it away from me. I'm just selfish. I'm just trying to get money and do me and I'm not caring about nobody else. Everybody gets trampled for Jay Harris. That's, that's what I am when you take Jesus away. That's what Paul is too. But Paul is saying, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's not preaching himself. He's saying this affection I have, don't get it twisted and think I'm the good guy. It's something that Jesus has given me. It's his affection for you. And it is my prayer in verse nine, he says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's a beautiful text, beautiful word right there. I wanna focus on one word, I wanna make sure you get this. He says, and it is my prayer that your love, he's speaking to the Philippians, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all the sermon. So in the culture, we use the word love. It's all over t-shirts, it's all over brands, it's all over everything you can think of, but I don't think we actually understand love. 
So I often, when I see the word love in the Bible, I go read 1 Corinthians 13 because it does this kind of reality check for me and helps me actually, you know what I'm saying, get the right flavor of this text. So I want to read it to you real quick. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. This is the love Paul is saying that he wants to see abound more and more. He's already experiencing it in the Philippians, but he wants to see it happen more in the church at Philippi. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So you can have gifts, tongues. You could just seem like you have all these anointed gifts like man, he got it going on. He said, but if you don't have love, you're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just noise. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Smartest person on the block, wise, prophetic, got gifts, see the future, tell people about what's happening to them, discernment, all of these amazing things. But if you, have, you can have all of that and still lack love. You have all of that and just use the gift to make a platform for yourself. You may end up just preaching yourself, really, and telling people get like you. Or you may use yourself as the mark of what people should act like. And really you're condemning them while you're telling them come raise up higher or whatever by building your platform. It's a whole lot of tricks of the trade out here, right? This word calls it shiesty. It says that if it's not love, it's not nothing. It's worthless. Verse 3 says, and if I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So you can turn into a self-righteous, very sacrificial heretic or nutcase or whatever the case may be. You may be, you could be so giving and so sacrificial and it all be based out of something else besides love. It says, but have not love, I gain nothing. I love this first part of this text. I'm not done with getting, I'm not, I haven't got to where I really want to get, but I love it because he sweeps the leg on all our little self-righteous endeavors that we try to do with love and the way we use it. This is a, a text you want to stay on because when he says to them in verse nine, and it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. He's saying this in first Corinthians 13 to the Corinthians. That text is so good because he's like, yo, watch out for these, these games right here. Watch out for it. Don't say somebody's just giving, but oh man, it's so giving, whatever. We're going to put a crown on their head. I know they got the Lord. Nah, it doesn't mean that. You'll get played that way. Be grateful, be thankful, but don't be a fool. That's what he's telling them. I'm trying to give you the sermon here. Verse 4, he gets to the nitty gritty though in Corinthians 13. He says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Try being patient and kind at the same time. I was at Hardy's the other day or whatever. I swear these people took like 50 minutes to give me my food and we we're the only people in line. My patience was going. I was ready to dive through the drive-through window at a certain point. Like I'm telling you, Try to walk this thing out in your flesh and see where you lend, where you where you aim at. That's why Paul is pointing them to Jesus, because he's like, you are not going to accomplish walking in love, and you are not going to abound in, in more love that's true out of the heart of God in your own works, in your flesh. God, you have to depend on God to produce this fruit through you.
He says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love of God looks foolish to the world. Our love looks like more like be suspicious of all things, questions all things, condemn all things. Drag it out and kill it if it don't do what you want it to do all things. Not bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. So that's what Paul means when he says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all the sermon, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11, and I'm gonna end with this. He says, filled, he elaborates, he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Once again, it's not just telling them to go work and try to produce the fruit of righteousness. He's saying be filled with it, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You believing the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, the work that Jesus Christ, what he has done in you, that he has actually removed all condemnation, justified you on the cross, that the wrath of God has been released on Jesus in your place and that Jesus' perfect resume has been given to you. Take that and bring that into your day-to-day. -day. When you wake up and the enemy looks to condemn you, you tell them about Jesus Christ and what Christ did for you. You don't have to feel good that day. You don't have to feel justified that day. It's still the truth whether you feel it or not. So proclaim it, even on your worst days. And he says, to the glory and praise of God. I'm going to wrap this up just like this. I'm just going to read a text and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna land the plane. John 15 says this, because most people are like, they're like the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. People read this and I, like everybody else, I have this thing where I want to always go back to working versus believing. I want to go back to working versus trusting God. And I have to keep the gospel in front of me to remember that Jesus already did the work. There's a place in John or whatever where these people come to Jesus and they're trying to run game on him or whatever. And he's like, nah, you just see me feed all these 5,000 people with these fishes and these loaves. You just come to get something to eat. And they're like, okay, all right, Jesus. Like, what do we what do we have to do to be in your kingdom then, all right? Like, we're going to keep it real now. What we got to do? What work must we do is the question they ask him. And Jesus says, the work you must do is believe. That's the only work I'm going to charge you with today. That's it. Don't walk away from scripture thinking about doing anything. Do not think about producing the fruit of righteousness. It says it comes through Jesus Christ. The work is believing in Jesus Christ and the fruit will begin to bubble up from you like a living spring. And so John 15 says it like this. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's God doing the work that Paul was talking about earlier. He said, God will complete the work. He will finish it. He started it. He's going to finish it. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. This is the work. Believe in. Believing is remaining in the vine. Believing in the work of the Father through Jesus Christ. Neither can you bear fruit unless, unless you remain in me. It'll be that fake love I talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. You may do some things that people celebrate and think it's amazing, but God the Father, you can't slip nothing by him. He knows whether it's rooted in you or it's rooted in him. 
I am the vine. You are the branches. He makes it explicit. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means if you go off and try to do something apart from the Father, from Jesus, right? If you try to go do something else, you will not be producing fruit. You'll be producing something. People may call it fruit. You may even be deceived to think it's fruit, but it will not actually be fruit. But if you remain, if you believe, that's what he's saying. If you trust, I'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Real quick, I'm going to hit this point because I was in the jail the other day talking to some young kids and they were talking about prayers and like kind of getting what you want. And they had taken some scriptures very far out of context and I had the blessed opportunity to explain and walk it, walk them through it. But this text, just so nobody, I don't want to gloss past this or whatever. He says, if you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Imagine being married and you and your spouse are so close, closely knit in your relationship that you already know what they want. Like your desires have essentially become theirs, right? So like, if you ask for, you know, you ordering a meal, you order exactly what they want because you know them so well, right? You're not, you're not apart from them, just making guesswork. You're like connected with them. So you know you're going to hit it, right? Like you're going to hit something that they want, what they like or whatever. Jesus is saying when you remain in me and my words remain in you, it means I'm steering your heart. So whatever you wish, it will be in line with me. You'll be asking for my will because when Paul says, Father, not my will, but yours or whatever, right? When, 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 um, when excuse me, when Jesus, but like not my will, but yours. When he says that, he's saying my wish is not even for my will to be done is for your will to be done so i want to leave you with that i want to pray for you real quick before we go rewind this go through this text go through this sermon take it into uh 2022 with you or whatever right it's been a cr crazy couple of years we don't know what wait, waits on the other side the other side but god is sovereign um and he says he, he mocks death he says death wears your sting because he's like even in death we win. When he says we're more than conquerors, it doesn't mean that we won't go through hardships. It doesn't mean we don't go, we won't even face death. It's promised to all of us, but he's saying I've defeated death. He said to die for you is gain for my children. You understand? So I pray that God just relieves you from fear, relieves me from fear, relieves my family from fear. These headlines that we see are so fear-based. Things seem so shaky and so weird and it affects us so much from a mental standpoint. I pray right now that your mental health be good, that um, you have people around you to speak to you, to encourage you, to edify you. Um, if you have resources to get professional help, if you don't have them, that God would make that way for you, for you to take care of your mental health. But also for you to be rooted in this word, trusting this word, staying connected to the vine, right? 
and that God will give you life. I pray that God bless you in 2022, whether that's through hardship, whether that's through you just, you know, prospering or whatever the case may be. God is with you in it regardless. No matter how it goes, it will be fruitful for his children because that's just what he does. You understand? So I pray for you. I pray for your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will grow their love. That love will abound more and more in them. First Corinthians 13 kind of love that you would give us wisdom and discernment. God, I pray that you would give us hearts that reprint like the high priest in Hebrews. I believe that's four or five that that he has mercy on the wayward and the lost because he has to go in and deal with his own sin before he comes into your presence. Help us to be honest and truthful about our own sin, but also free from condemnation, knowing that you wipe all our sins away. You said, if we, if we, if we say we don't have sin, we lie to you. But he said, if we bring it in the light, that you'll remove it. And when you bring it in the light, now you expose it. Now you can actually grow us and sanctify us in truth. I pray that for God's people. I pray for God's people that they learn to be more vulnerable, that I learn to be more vulnerable with the people I love, lead my friends telling them how I feel about them. If they're going off a ledge, I hope, pray that you give me boldness to speak and be like, yo, bro, I love you. Give me the words to be able to communicate it, the heart to communicate it. Help us be vulnerable, Father Lord. Help us to have unity in the church. Forget what everybody's saying. I know the church seems like it's on fire right now. Church been going through stuff for thousands of years and it's still here and it's still going to be here. Can't nobody do nothing with the bride of Christ. Give us that kind of stance that we trust despite what it looks like. I know it's hard some days, but give us faith and trust that be in your word and see what it says. And give us reverence, Father Lord, and an understanding that you will finish the work that you started in us. You saved us despite our sin. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, you still saved us. So you're gonna sanctify us even when we're a hot mess in the process. God is not done with you people. He's not done with you and he hasn't forsaken you. Bring your mess in front of them. Pray that for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. It's Bill Church, Pastor Jay Harris. See y'all in 2022.